Today's episode is all about legalism. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Phil Robertson is a friend of mine. He has been working with the Glen Springs Church for over a decade and has done a great job there at working with young people, influencing the Christians in the area and the community. He has been a director for a large summer camp in the Florida area for many years and is actually going to be taking a role at a college working with them and running their own camp program. And he really has just done a great job of working with young people One of the great benefits of working with young people is that it requires you to not only be a great observer of behavior, but to be able to simplify things and talk about things in ways that maybe those who are less informed or those who do not have the same experience that most adults have, uh, explain things in a way that they can understand them. And Phil does a great job of that. I think you'll really enjoy what Phil has to say today about the concept of legalism. So let's jump right in. We are talking about the word legalism, uh, which is honestly, uh, I think, not just a necessary subject to talk about, but a misunderstood subject because I, my experience has been the way we use the term legalism is as a general insult with no meaning. Uh, Let's start with a definition. Phil, how would you define the term legalism? Well, I think, like you said, right, just a moment ago, it's it's really one of those terms that's almost impossible to define because it's so ambiguous. And what's interesting, Adam, you're not going to find it in Scripture. The word legalist, legalism, nowhere in Scripture, never used by Jesus, never used in the Old Testament. There's not a Greek or in Hebrew word for it. In fact, if you were to just simply look at word history, uh, it probably sur- surprised most of us that the word wasn't exactly even coined till the 1600s. And so it's just something that just kind of became part of the vernacular uh, in culture. But the definition of it is so vague. If you were to look at what you might see in a Webster's Dictionary, it would be excessive adherence to a law or a formula. You know, another way of defining it or the way people use it is a fundamentalist. You ever heard that? Well, you're a fundamentalist. Uh, I was once referred to as a fundamentalist when I was leaving a news business. Uh, There was this uh, gossip news site that a lot of people in the news business were on called News Blues. And so there was this post that was made, Phil Robertson giving up the news business to go into preaching full time. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's about right. But then it said he'll be preaching for the fundamentalist 
Church of Christ group. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Who's taking a dig at me? And when I looked up the word fundamentalist, it meant one who strictly adheres to a set rule or principle. And I went, oh, maybe that's what I am. Because <laughs> I believe in the in inherent word of God and we want to follow it. Uh, you know, maybe that's what I am. And so legalism, if you really think about it, the way most people use it is to take somebody who believes that they must obey God's law, that God gave us his law and Jesus gave us his will for us to follow that, well, if I'm a legalist because I want to obey Jesus, then I guess I'm guilty at charge, as charged. But it's, it's, a, it's a vague definition. I think typically the context that I've heard it used is you care more about rule keeping than you do about the lawgiver. And, you know, I think that's why that often gets compared to the Pharisees. Uh, they're just using that whole mindset of, you know, you tithe mint, cumin, and dill, but you miss the weightier matters of the law. But what's interesting about that is that principle from Matthew 23, 23 is actually the opposite of legalism, as you just defined, because if they were legalistic, they would not have missed the weightier matters of the law because that's the legal uh, system that they were supposed to be following. And so you, you have that, I think it, it's an accusation of mindset than it is necessarily behavior. Think of it like this. I, I had an older preacher once share this with me and I thought it was so very insightful. He goes, you're calling me a legalist. So what do you want me to be? An illegalist? Is that better? Because I mean, yeah. if you think about it, the illegalist has no regard for what is written. Is is that what we want to be? To be somebody who just totally uh, disregards uh, the will of the Lord? Well, certainly not. Certainly not. And and it's almost as if uh, if we can use kind of the communication debate uh, vernacular to call somebody a legalist is in essence almost name calling, it's a straw man argument. Mm -hmm. I can't defend my point, so I'll just label you and let the label stick and see how you deal with that because none of us like to be called names. And if you're a person who totally believes in the grace of our Lord, the mercy of our Lord, the love of Jesus, the last thing you want to have sticking to you is a term legalist that would imply in some way you don't love Jesus or believe in his love or his grace in your life. We, we got to be careful of making rules, regulations as evil because the Lord certainly didn't. He didn't. I, I think I think it kind of goes back to the idea that we don't like being called names, but at the same time, it would it would almost behoove us that if that ever comes up in conversation to instead of getting defensive, say, OK, what do you mean by that? What exactly is your point? What is a good course of action for us whenever we are labeled or whenever we are accused? Because that's really what it feels like. We're being accused. What is a good course of action? So you say the first thing there, ask for clarification. What do you mean by that? My suspicion is they're not really going to know what they mean by that. It's just going to be a label they're putting on someone that they don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. For example, if, if you take uh, somebody who is deeply grounded in the Calvinistic mindset, 
grace only, faith only. Well, they're going to see anybody who may be in their mind Armenian or believing in obeying the Lord as being a legalist. And so what you would probably be more inclined to do, so you don't want to get into an argument, is to ask good follow-up questions. Okay, what exactly do you mean by that? Do you believe Jesus wants us to obey him or not to obey him? Is obeying then legalism, if that's what I believe my Lord wants me to do when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments? And I think it's very important for us not to immediately go back in our heels, but gently lean in to that. That's that's a good opportunity to have a good discussion. Don't let it get into a debate or a squabble real quickly. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes when we do grow defensive, we get more caught up in explaining ourselves than we do in explaining what is right. Correct. Yeah. Well, let's consider this. Let's consider it through the eyes of Jesus when he tells the story of a tax collector and a Pharisee who go to the temple to pray. You have two contrasting hearts. One is patting himself on the back and the other is leaning to the Lord saying, Lord, help me, Lord, carry me. Well, we wanna have the attitude of Lord, help me, Lord, carry me. I, I am coming to you. Well, even in that attitude, Lord, help me, Lord, I'm leaning to the Lord. Does that make me a legalist? Because I'm doing exactly what the Lord wants me to do, to lean on him, to trust in him. Isn't that what he's called us to do, to believe? Well, Jesus says believing is a work. Clearly, he's saying we haven't erased grace if we're doing exactly what he wants us to do. And so I think it would, it would be good for us in any conversation in which the term legalism comes up to, to, to just lean into it. Don't run from it. Don't get defensive, but be a good listener. Uh, and then gently go to the words of Jesus. Well, I think we also need to be careful not to run to the other extreme, which is, oh, you're a legalist. Why, thank you. You know, that kind of snarky response. Uh, but I, I hear people do that sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea of instead of really having a reaction that is negative or positive, have a conversation. We got to be careful. And this is the biggest challenge with legalism in, in the way I think most people see it. We got to be careful of making some laws more important than others, because the weightier matters of the law, as you mentioned earlier, Matthew 23, mercy, grace, kindness, faith are just as important as the other matters of the law, kind of our holy cows, going to church, being there on Sunday, doing your Bible lesson, not cussing, you know, not going to dirty movies or anything like that. You know, we, we have our holy cows. Well, Jesus says, that's great. Those are important, but don't leave these things undone, the weightier matters of the law. What would you think would be some go-to examples for us to think of in Scripture? of someone who either struggled with legalism or somebody who successfully followed God without legalism. If we're going to use legalism in this kind of a Pharisee mindset of binding more laws and missing others or uh, becoming too confident in yourself, then I would say <laughs> my favorite Psalm, Psalm 103. It's all about the mercy and the grace of God. 
uh, to truly understand that he is the one reaching out to us and and he's longing to be forgiving uh, and he's longing to extend us grace. Uh, we need to see that and accept that. We need to be people who can say beyond a shadow of a doubt if somebody asks you, are you saved by grace? Absolutely. I, I fear that sometimes if you were to ask some brethren, okay, what saves you? They immediately jump to baptism or they immediately jump to those other aspects that are believer, part of the salvation process. And, and we forget grace. For example, if you were to ask somebody, what are the steps of salvation? Where do most of us say it begins? Here. Yeah. Well, I don't argue that. Absolutely. Paul tells us that in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. But you know what comes before that? The grace of God. Mm-hmm. For by grace, you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. The mercy of God, Ephesians 2, 4, but mercy, but God who is rich in mercy. Jesus himself, he is our salvation, John 3, 16. And then the word of God, the word that is able to save our souls, says James. Well, that all precedes my hearing. And if you want to look at the big steps, it's the steps that the Lord made for us. Don't forget that. We need to reclaim grace we need to reclaim mercy, make it a part of our vernacular and, and a part of our faith because it is. That's what we believe deep down. Don't be afraid to say it. Adam, are you saved by grace? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, you are. I and, and you don't have to qualify it. Yes, I'm saved by grace. Are you saved by faith? Absolutely. I don't need to stand here and qualify it. You, you know, that's that's important. That's important. Own it. Grab it. I think that's where we need to begin. So the Ephesians 2, Psalms 103 would be passages I would certainly jump on and go to. Uh, these these speak to that. And then a reminder of, of Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Uh, this is a struggle for us because it was a struggle for the Jews. Uh, God says, my ways are greater than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know what that specifically refers to? Not God's smartness, not his strength or power, but it specifically is in context with his desire to forgive and to love, you know, and to bring people back into the fold. It doesn't wipe out the law. No, that's not his point. But his grace goes much farther than we could ever imagine. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, it's higher than we could ever imagine imagine or go and that's a wonderful thought so that reminds me several years ago this is early in my uh, my preaching career which started 20 something years ago but i, I had a as, as a way of illustration and teaching people the gospel i had bought these blank nine piece puzzles and my my logic was i could sit down with somebody and we could write a Bible verse on each of the nine pieces of this small little puzzle. And the idea was that all of them go together to make one picture of salvation. But to your point, back in those early days, I only had five steps to salvation. <laughs> so what were you going to do? I had nine puzzle pieces. How was I going to fill this in? Well, the way to fill it in is by putting in there what God did first. 
Yeah. Because you there don't you have a puzzle or you don't have salvation without God's work preceding our response. Exactly. That's a great way of looking at it. So did you have grace, mercy for those? I, I believe those I did. It's, it's been probably 15, 16 years since I did that, <laughs> but I believe I did. I, I think I put in there Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and I think I put the verse, you know, Romans chapter 5 about, you know, when the, the, the love of God caused him to send his son. I think I put in there Titus 3, which talks about when the kindness and mercy of our you know, love for mankind appeared. He saved us, not based on work. So I think I put several of those passages in there. And then we began with a passage on hearing and a passage on repenting and confessing and being baptized. But I tried to create a, a, a fuller picture, but I was kind of forced into it because I needed to fill up nine puzzle pieces. And, and that made me do that job, uh, which is, uh, I think, a good job. It was a good lesson for me on accident that God provided for me. Maybe not so accident on God's part. Well, hey, it's neat how things work. It, it, it's it neat how things work. And, 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 and really, could we limit it to even nine? No. No. No, no, we really couldn't. You know, we, we've been kind of talking about how legalism is hard to define if you were to go to Webster's or a dictionary, it would say excessive adherence to a law or formula. A theological definition would probably be someone who stresses obedience apart from faith. And if you do that, you produce legalism. Well, I, I can see how a lot of people have that viewpoint to stress obedience apart from faith. And, and I've been referred to as a legalist because I believe baptism is part of the Lord's plan. Um, so much so that someone isn't truly walking with the Lord and has been cleansed of their sins until they've been washed uh, in the blood of the Lamb, until they've been washed in the waters of baptism that the Lord provides. And, and somebody could immediately say, well, that's a work. And your first thought is, no, 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 it's not a work. It's not a work. But if you stop and think about it, it is. Mm -hmm. And scripture tells us it's a work, but it's not my work. It's not me. It's the Lord. It is the Lord who washes us. It's his work. And I trust in his work through faith when I obey his desire for me to be baptized. It is faith. But faith also is obedience. But at the same time, faith also is a surrender in allowing him to do his work in us. Yes. I know that the term legalism or legalist scares us. But in a way, what's the alternative to be an illegalist? I, I, I don't want to be obedient to my own laws or some man-made law. Or as we sometimes look at the Pharisees who made up law, no. But I definitely want to be one who longs to keep Jesus's law, the law of Christ. Yeah. And if that makes me a legalist, well, I'm guilty as charged. But I have to tell you this, I don't keep it as well as I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know that. And dear Lord, forgive me. Help me to fall into your arms more. Help me to trust you. Isn't that a prayer we can all pray? We all need to obey better, and we need to not fear being obedient servants. 
We all recognize we're not saved by our obedience. We're saved by a gracious and merciful God. It is his love, his kindness that makes salvation possible. Titus chapter 3 makes that very obvious. But that doesn't mean that there is not an expectation that we be obedient children. And that does not make us legalistic to care about obeying. We should care about obeying. No matter what type of reputation that gives us, no matter what type of of ridicule we must face, we must obey our God because he is worth obeying. Well, I hope this episode has been beneficial to you. I, I really hope maybe it has reframed this concept in your mind to not be so scared of labels, but to be excited about serving and obeying God. What a great honor it is that we can not only know him, but know his laws and know that his laws are what we need to make us better. A big thank you to Phil for the interview and a big thank you to you for listening. I hope if you are enjoying the podcast that you're sharing it with others. I hope you've figured out by now we're not out to try to make things complicated. Uh, We're really simplifying things and we're not out to offend people. We really want to help people come to know the great truths of God's word. And while those truths can be difficult to understand, they are rarely offensive because God knows what is best for us. If you can share this podcast with others, you can do so through Facebook or you can send people to the website at preachimpediments.com. That's also where you can get in touch with us. And we hope you'll listen again next time when we talk a little bit more about the concept of legalism. Until then, 